So if you brought a copy of the Scriptures, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm really excited about this morning because the last several weeks in the study on in this section of the Lord's Prayer, God's been doing such incredible things in my own life. And so Sunday becomes the spillover, which is the best way to do it, is when God's been really hammering on you, teaching you, opening your eyes to things, working in your heart, answering prayer, and then on Sunday you get to spend time sharing that with other people. So that, that to me, is the, the greatest way to be able to open God's Word. How many of you are really good with names? Okay, I saw one. I, I saw, okay, here I saw another hand like this. Now, of all you people, and I realize we've got people gone today, but we still have enough people here today. And I'm asking you a question. How many of you are really good at names? And I saw two hands. Now, maybe that's because you thought I'm going to call on you (laughs) and have you start naming people. I think back to when I, I'd work at this slowly as a starting a church and you get to know people over time. But when you have to learn people's names all at once, it can be overwhelming. So when I first went to Wisconsin, and now I'm at a college, and I thought, I need to learn the names of the students. And I, and I would never say that I was good at names. People thought I was good at names, but I really wasn't. And so I made an attempt, some 600, 700 students, to learn their names. So I would... I got their pictures, and because when they came into school, they usually had to get a photo ID, and so I get all their pictures. And then when I travel, I take these and I would just kind of go over them and over them and over them, and try to learn their names. Now, you, if you heard of the association memory technique, you know you you picture something bizarre or something that, that's familiar that you can associate the name. Now, it's a very dangerous thing. Because, because when I've, I've, I've done this before is I, I said the association rather than their name. And they just, the shock. Uh, and sometimes I have a pretty creative <laughs> mind. And, and usually when I add humor to it, I can remember it better. So it can get you into a lot of trouble. But a person's name is probably the most important thing that they have. If I ask you what... What's your name? I hope you can remember your name. <laughs> and uh, someone say, what's your name? I say, my name's Matt. They say, is that Matthew or is that Matt? And I said, well, if you're my, my mother, you can call me Matthew. Not many people call me Matthew, but that's my name, Matthew Reed Olson. And Olson is a Swedish name. I don't speak Swedish, never been to Sweden. Um, but that's, that's my name, and that's what my parents gave to me, and, and, I, and I really believe they gave it to me with a reason. Some of you as uh, young parents, you're looking through the books of names, and we did that. We're going through all the possibilities, and so the names that we would choose for our children, there was a reason behind that. There, there was a, there's a little story behind that. Now, my dad's name is Ross Olson. And when we had our first son, we named him Ross. And we liked the name, but more than that, 
I thought my dad had such an impact in my life that I wanted to name my son Ross. Now, my daughter now has named her youngest son Ross. So I've got Ross, Ross, and Ross <laughs> in the house. I'm in this conversation with, with um, the older Ross's Gramps. That's easy. Um, then Ross, we call Big Ross, and then Little Ross. And then Little Ross hears that. He said, I'm not Little Ross. I'm Big Ross. <laughs> and that's Uncle Ross. But a name, a name that we have, we, we associate with a lot of things. There's some names you don't give your children, like Judas uh, or Jezebel. Uh, you say, well, why not? <laughs> In fact, you know, sometimes you read through the Old Testament and the names they give their kids are like, man, how do you outlive that? Um, some of you may feel that way. You know, I wish my parents really would not have given me the name they gave me. But a name is how we identify ourselves and see ourselves. It's how we remember people. It's how we associate everything about that person. So it is significant. It's important. And I think that even as I know certain people, that whenever a name is said, I immediately go to that person's particular character. And I think, I think positive thoughts. There are other names that are mentioned. <laughs> immediately I, think I have to work my way not to associate with the one person I know with that name. Now, in this prayer, which uh, we, we've call it the Lord's Prayer, and probably more accurately we would describe it as the Disciples' Prayer, because it's not necessarily the prayer that Jesus would pray to His Father. We find that in John 17, we call that the Lord's Prayer. But in Matthew chapter 6, uh, we read this, this is how you pray. So we've titled this series, this is, this is how you pray. There is nothing that we long to do more than to communicate with our Creator. There is nothing that we long... It's, it's, we described it last week or two weeks ago. It's, it's like breathing. As natural as it is physically for you to breathe. I mean, just it's natural. It is a natural longing for you to be able to communicate with a God who created you and loved you. And yet for most of us, it is, it is the most challenging and difficult part of our Christian life. We, we feel like the heavens are brass. God doesn't hear. Is He there? Does, how do I pray? And so, when the disciples would ask this question, and we find the Lord's Prayer in, in uh, two different places, but I think this is something He was teaching them constantly. The disciples said, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. We see how You talk with your father and you pray and you're, you're drawn away to, in, in relationship with him. And, and we have this desire to do that. Would you teach us to pray? So the text of the prayer, I'm going to put it up here on the screen. If you could just look at it, the Lord's Prayer. And um, I think we've got a slide if you want to put it up there. Okay, that's a little small. You can see that small for me. But this is, in, and, I, and the reason I, I put it, because we have different translations. You may have New American Standard, uh, ESV, um, KJV, NBA, whatever. Um, you've got, there are lots of translations. So this is out of the 
uh, New International Version, which, I, which I'm preaching out of. The last section, uh, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, is not in this, this particular uh, text, but this, this has been repeated throughout. So this isn't the one time that Jesus gives this. He is giving um, a pattern. Not necessarily memorize this, recite this, say this over and over, but I want to give you a pattern. And there's an address to the Father, and then there are seven petitions. And I think each one of these teaches something about how to pray. And that's kind of what we're going to be, be going through. But let's just let's read this together. Well, I don't think we've tried this here before, but let's, uh, let's say this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How many of you have been in services before where you would recite that? I mean, a lot of us have. And now there's a danger in just reciting prayers. In the previous section here in chapter 6, Jesus warns the people, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the pagans. Uh, where you're, You have vain repetitions. You're just repeating things over and over. That, that is not meaning that we can't pray a prayer like this. In fact, I find myself praying through the Psalms all the time. I mean, I'll read a Psalm, I'll, I'll kind of join in with David and make it my own and pray it. So there's nothing wrong with memorizing this and praying it and saying it every day. Uh, what we want to be careful of is not doing it in vain. He talks, Jesus says, don't be guilty of vain repetition. What does that mean? Empty repetition. and Unthinking. Unthinking. You're just taking God's name in vain really means without thought. You're using God's name without thought. And for the Christian, that's just not using it as a curse word, but that's just even saying God, God's name without, without real thought. Well, what I, I feel that, that is uh, just by personal testimony, how prayers like this and creeds, if you, I don't know if you've heard of the Apostles' Creed, you ought, to, you ought to look it up sometime, but where many times a church will quote the Apostles' Creed, which is, which is an articulation of the major doctrines of the faith. And here's how, how a memorized prayer affected me. Uh, are you familiar with this prayer? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, what? I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. Now, my mom had me pray that every night. You know, so we go get in bed and they come in and kiss us goodnight. And um, I'd, she'd pray this with me. She'd say, okay. And so pretty soon I just had it memorized. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die. I couldn't go too fast because she'd slow me down. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, even today, when I'm over 30, I still remember that. Um, I, it's still in my mind. Here's what happened to me. One night when I was praying that prayer, it sunk in. It's like the light came on. (laughs) 
Have you had that happen to you? You know something. You've memorized it. You've seen it all your life. You've read it. You pick up the Bible. You know, and all of a sudden it's like, hello. And so I'm, I'm, you know, a kid, and I'm praying, and I, and I, I get to this part. If I should die before I wake, and I'm thinking, and that just bothered me. I never thought about dying before I got up in the morning. Now, that can be kind of traumatizing to a kid. You've seen Steve Hawkins on this prayer. You know what I mean, the comedian. <laughs> if I should die before I wait, you know, the kids were like, it's a terror. So I prayed this prayer, and all, for the first time in my life, I was scared to die. And because I knew I was a sinner. All this is coming together through a prayer that I'd said over and over and over and over and over. It's finally sinking in. So my mom turned the light off. She left. And about 20 minutes later, Mom, <laughs> I need to talk. And so she came in and uh, we talked through this. And that night, I'll never forget, I was in the top bunk in Norfolk, Virginia. My dad was stationed there in the Navy. Uh, in that top bunk, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, to wash them away, to come be my Savior. And, uh, and, I, and I slept well. And I don't remember praying to prayer afterward, but what happens is truth, it, it kind of comes to you. And as a Christian, this is all through your life. This is what's exciting about God's Word. It just it, The light comes on, the light comes on, the light comes on. He said, I've been, I've been seeing that, but not in its fullness. So my, my desire for you is to take this prayer and I'd love to see you memorize it. And then, and then think about it. Think about what he is, he is saying. Now, in our previous message, the introduction to this uh, prayer, we, we talked about the context, Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to people so that they understand um, truth. And, and not as they had understood it as it was taught by the Pharisees. And do you remember of all of the names, all of the names of God, what is the name that Jesus said to call Him when you pray? Father. Father. Now that doesn't mean you can't call Him Jesus or Holy Spirit or God Almighty or or, or any other name. I don't, I don't see that we're restricted. And there are plenty of examples in the, in the Bible where other names are used in addressing God. So you're not locked into Father. But I believe with all my heart the reason He wants us to see Him as a little child sees a father is to see how approachable He is. And it's hard for us Two reasons. One is our culture. Uh, what we see of fatherhood in our general culture usually warps our sense of perception. The second thing is our experience. Some of you, and I would say it would be the vast minority, would be able to say, I had a great father and a wonderful experience growing up. Hands down. I mean, my experience is that most people don't. So when you say the word Father, that name, certain images come to your mind. 
And it's hard to overcome those. Just after the last time I spoke on this, I had probably half a dozen people come up to me from our church family here and say to me, you know what? You know why it's so hard for me to view God as my father's because this is what my father did or this is how my father was with me. I thought that that makes it difficult. But the way that you can go to having a right perception of a and a healthy view of a father is first of all the scriptures. Because I think all through the scriptures God is teaching you what a, a heavenly father is like. He's loving, he's kind, he's gracious. You see Jesus when he when he says uh, come to me, his, his open arms, he's merciful. All of the references that you have in, in, in the scriptures. And that the second way, I think, is by, by finding models within the church, within the, the Christian family at large. There are people out there that you didn't maybe grow up in their home, but they, they provide a, gr- a good example for you in doing that. But it doesn't mean that God is less than all of his other names. But when you come, you can approach him like a child runs up and jumps in the, the lap of their father. We said the, the word in the Aramaic was Abba. This sounds like what it means, Abba. And that's the way God wants you to see him and come. This is the way that you come to him. So the first request, there, there are what we call seven requests, seven petitions. The first of this is hallowed be your name or Holy be your name. And it's not just a declaration of praise God or praise His name. It is actually requesting that God's name be set apart, exalted, lifted up, recognized, worshipped. And this is our prayer. And, And this really sets the foundation for everything else that we pray for. We can't, we can't really approach any Christian discipline or any Christian activity or anything in life without having a right view of God. I've said this as much as I've said anything else to you probably, is your view of God, how you view Him, how you see Him, how you perceive Him is the most important thing about you. And and how you view God will determine how you view everything else. It, it, it determines how you view yourself. If you have a really bad, warped self-image, which a lot of people do, that the problem is not starting here. It's because you have a wrong view of God. If you have a right view of God, you'll have a right view of yourself. Does that make sense? He is the creator. And a right view of God gives me the, the right perception. So here is a request that, that God's name, His name is exalted and lifted up and that all of us recognize and worship Him in His fullness. So what is His name? And uh, I think back to, you've heard the story of Samson. And it's found in Judges, uh, the book of Judges. You have Moses in the Exodus, Joshua, and then Joshua's leadership into the land, to possess the land. And then there was the time of the Judges. And there's a man who is the father of Samson. His name is Manoah. And when the Lord came uh, to visit, we call this an appearance of God or a theophany. That's how we describe it, an appearance of God. 
He comes to Manoah and he says, I am going to raise up your son as a judge. So Manoah asked this question. He said, what's your name? How am I going to, when I tell the people and when I tell my son, when I describe this conversation I'm having with you, what should I say is your name? And here's what the Lord says. He says, why do you ask my name? If I were to tell you my name, you couldn't comprehend it. In other words, you could not fathom my name. It's one of the greatest verses to be in all of the Bible because what he's saying is it's not that you can't know me, but, but he said, I am so immense, so deep, so wide, so high, so broad. It's not just like a name. And we come to all of the names of God. And, and when you think of this, through names like Jehovah and Elohim and Adonai, and, and the list goes on, hundreds of names of God, every one of these names will describe something about who He is. So my challenge to you today is, you need to be good with names. Okay? You need to be good with names. The names of God. Every name is an identifier and it is descriptive of His goodness and His greatness. And the more you know His name, the more you rest in the security of it. God has a name for being merciful and kind and and gracious and slow to wrath. God has a name for being the one who provides everything that you need. God has a name is holy and righteous and the just judge. We mentioned a number of those the last time with His name. All of these names describe, and I think in three ways He communicates. One, who He is. In in His intrinsic worth. So, the word worth, the word value. Who God is, He is the self-existent One. He is perfect, He is holy, and He is good. You, you, You think about that. That in God's essence, He's eternal, He's self-existent, He is all-powerful, He is all-wise, He is present everywhere at once, and everything He does is good. He is incapable of evil. Isn't that amazing? And, and, And this same God is sovereign over the universe. In other words, He has... He has everything in His absolute control. You go name after name. So, who He is. Secondly, His his words. What He says. Everything He says is true. So, it's not just His intrinsic worth. It's His, His words. Did you know this? That just as God is true and Jesus Christ is true, everything He says to us is true. It's true. He tells us, my word is truth. My word, it is truth. It doesn't, as some people like to say, well, it contains truth. There is truth in there. No, he says, my word is truth. That's why I love coming to this book. Now, I, I like reading books. I'm usually reading several at a time. 
Uh, but there's no book like this book. Because other books may say truthful things and have truth in them, but none of them are truth. And none of them have the power and ability to change the life like this book does. So he communicates in his worth, he communicates in his words, and he communicates in his works. Everything he does proves the truth. It just proves it. And I was dying and I were having this discussion because in our family right now, we got everybody's taking steps of faith <laughs> all at once, you know. Kids are moving out here, which is exciting, but then you know you think you gotta get a job, you gotta get a house, you gotta now when you look forward, it looks like oh man. Got a lot of questions, don't you? How's it gonna work out? Where are we gonna work? Where are we gonna live? How long are the kids gonna be living at our house? <laughs> we got all of these unanswered things, okay? But but when you look back the evidence of what he's done. We have nothing to worry about. When has God ever failed? Now, at times we felt like it. At times we felt like he's slow to act. He need to hurry. I know God answers prayer, but he need to hurry. <laughs> and but when you look back, when has God ever failed? Ever. And so that's why I think when you look back, the testimony in the works and in what uh, Israel was commanded to do, they said, tell your children, tell your children the stories. Tell them the stories of the works of God. And that will give them a strengthening to their faith in coming up. Now, the best picture that I have seen of this, I, th I think to me, is when, when God takes all of that and He begins, begins working in your life. Um, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10. It's a, it's a text I was just reading, going through. I'll, I'll usually read a proverb a day, and so it's, it's, it's easy to, to remember what that is. But Proverbs 18 and verse 10 give a, a uh, picture of what this is looking like. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower or a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now, when I think of the name of the Lord, I think of all of His names. All of His names that describe who He is and what He has done and what He has promised. All of that. And if you get this picture in the culture that this is written, is you're probably out in the fields working, and, and it could be harvest time, and you know what, you're bringing in the crops it's a time of celebration, and you're harvesting things, the families together, and all of a sudden, over the horizon, you see the enemy coming. And the enemy is, one, is going to want to destroy everything that you have. Everything. Your children, 
take all your possessions, rob you of what you have, destroy your life, everything. The Bible tells us that Satan is, is like a roaring lion and he roams about seeking whom he may devour. Can I, can I tell you this? I know from reading God's Scripture and the experience that I've seen in life that Satan has an agenda to destroy your family, to destroy your marriage, to make you turn your back on your faith, to cause you to be weak, and distant from God. He wants you to rob you of everything you have, every joy that's in your life. You say, what? And, and you know what? He's coming over the hill to take it. That's the picture. And of all these farms, all these farms of people living life, they're like us. They're, they're, they're doing life. They're just kind of doing life. And all of a sudden, it's all going to be taken away. It's all going to be destroyed. And so when you feel Satan coming, coming in after you, which you have this last week, haven't you? This last year, haven't you felt Satan coming in to destroy everything that you value and that you love? He's coming, he's coming to destroy you. Here's what it says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So it's, it's like, look to the tower. So in, in the little bit of a distance here, you see this castle... This fortress, it describes it as a, as a impregnable stone fortress. And up above all of those impregnable walls is a watchtower. A watchtower. That's where people are keeping an eye on the land. And this is what he's saying. The name of the Lord is that strong tower. It's a strong tower. And it says the righteous, in other words, people of faith. Righteous doesn't mean that you're perfect. Righteous means that you're, you believe God. Okay? And if you believe, the righteous will see it. They recognize His name. And it says they run to it. <laughs> okay? It's not like, well, i got to get my stuff. i got to do this. It, 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 it's, it's an immediate recognition of the strength and the might and the power and the security and the safety of that fortress. And you don't just give mental assent and acknowledgement to His name. You run. You run. In other words, you get your body in motion and obedience follows faith. So if I really believe in the name of the Lord, I believe that He is there for me, his name, all of His names, I get things in motion. I align myself. I believe in that. I move to that. And it says, and I find safety. I find safety. My, my belief, this is just such a great verse. I, I, I thought about this one verse all week long. Because you say, well... I remember in 1982 that I needed that verse. Or I remember, you know, back in 1994, I needed that verse. I'll tell you what, I need this verse every single day. Every single day. Because I get doing my stuff. And I see the enemy coming and I'm doing my fighting. And, and I don't have a sense of reality because I'm not, I'm not zeroed in on his name. And when I think of His name 
and what it means and what it communicates. He is the Almighty God. He knows everything. He loves me like I've never been loved. He's the Creator. He is the Judge. He's going to make everything right. You want justice? He's going to make everything right. He is my Father. He is personal. He is relational. All of these things. So, here is the petition. Let your name be holy. Let your name be exalted. Let your name be special. Let your name be something that I focus on and I think about and I never waver. And I pray for that in my life personally. That I would look at His name and consider His name and think about His name. Hallowed be your name. Reverenced. Lifted up. Exalted. The same for my family. My prayer is that for my children and my grandchildren, that they might see His name. And when they say His name, they know His name. They know what that means. Immediately, all of these thoughts come that comfort them and settle them. I pray this for our church. This small group of believers in Lafayette, Colorado, that we would lift up His name, reverence His name, value His name, look to His name, lean upon His name. And then for this community, wouldn't it be great, sometimes I'll drive into Boulder and I just think, Lord, save this city. Save this city. Drive into Denver and I think, Lord, how many people here do you want to save? May Your name be so high and lifted up and people see the value of that and they come into Your presence. And as Jesus has led the way in the disciples to learn to pray, He actually leads us into the very presence of God because there's no other way to come there but through Him. So I ask you, in closing, are you good with names? Okay? Some of you, my prayer is that we would be really good with His names. We understand, we think about Father. We think about Holy One. We think about His kindness and His goodness and His provision. And that is constantly flooding us and giving us the safety and security and assurance as we come to Him. Because when you, when you come... As I said, this is the first request. There are seven requests that go very quick. We read that very quickly, just right on through it. But the first one says, Holy is your name. Holy be your name. May your name be lifted up in my life. May his name be lifted up in this church. May his name be lifted up in the lives of your children and in this community. So I hope this gives you a little hunger to go see His name and tie something that you know is true about your God to His name. And it is like that strong tower that you see, you recognize, you run to, and you're safe. And that is probably the greatest heritage we'll ever give to our children is a right view of God. His name. I believe in His name. I trust in His name. I rest in His name. Let's bow together.